Welcome to Face to Face Broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the President of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. Praise the Lord. Can we get into God's Word? Hallelujah. Lift your hands, say, in the name of Jesus. As the word comes, I have an understanding heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. King James Version, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 um, to 13. Ephesians chapter 2. The timer you are giving me, are you sure that's the time you want me to use? Amen. <laughs> Even me, I'm laughing. Glory to Jesus. Sometime last month, I started talking about, we had a service and I talked about making 2018 different from every other year. How many of you remember that? Okay, making 2018 different from every other year. And we talked about three things, you know, that will make 2018 different. The first thing we talked about was engaging the covenant. Hallelujah. Alright? Engaging the covenant. So I want to go further, talk about how you can engage the covenant in prayer. Hallelujah. Alright, Ephesians 2, verse 11. I'll read through to 13. Wherefore, remember... That ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, but by that which is called the uncircumcision, in the flesh made by hands. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus... Ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by what? By the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, you know, most of the time when you read scriptures, it's important to observe and understand what the text is saying. You know, um, especially in the writings of Paul, because sometimes he could put a lot of things together and then you get lost in what actually he's talking about. But I want some things to stand out for you. Uh, go back to verse 12. In verse 12 he said, That at that time ye were without Christ. When you were without Christ, you were aliens from what he called the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. And he said you are without hope and without God in this world. Hallelujah. Having no hope and without God in this world. That means he's saying that now you are no more in this state. Glory to God. If you have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are no more a stranger, hallelujah, to the covenants of promise. You are no more aliens to what he called the commonwealth of Israel. 
Does that wealth that the people of God, God had made them enjoy, the riches that God had made them enjoy, you are no more outside of it. You are no more an alien. Why? Because the blood of Christ has brought you in. Am I communicating? Now, so, when we talked about engaging the covenant, I just want to draw, um, just um, remind you of a few things. First thing is this. That a lot of times, believers live like ordinary people. They act like they are the same with the rest of the world. And the reason is that they've not come to the place where they have put themselves the way, they, they, they position themselves the way God sees them. Hallelujah. God is in covenant with you. Glory to God. But you can live like someone that God is not in covenant with because you are not conscious of the covenant or you are not engaging the covenant in the things that you do. Whether you are married, whether you are in your career, in your health, there is a provision, hallelujah, in the covenant for you. So this year can be different if you will deliberately Engage the covenant in everything that you do. Hallelujah. Alright? So when we say engaging the covenant, what do I mean by the word engage? I mean to involve the covenant. Hallelujah. To involve the, the covenant. That means that you are employing the, the, the power of the covenant in your affairs. In the same way, in our own way here in Africa, where someone has a problem with a friend or a neighbor, and then he says, he goes to meet his juju priest. Are you understanding me? To involve something. Alright? Okay? So, for us in Christ Jesus, we have a covenant that is superior to anything anyone can invoke in this world. Are you listening to me? So, most of the time, believers don't deliberately invoke the covenant. They don't employ it. They don't involve it. They run on flesh. They run on human effort. They strain and struggle like the rest of the world. But there is a covenant. Everybody say there is a covenant. Alright, so the aim of what we are sharing with you is that this year, you should make up your mind that in all your endeavors, you will engage the covenant. You cannot experience the supernatural without engaging the covenant. If you don't engage the covenant, what will happen is that what happens to every other person will happen to you. Jesus was speaking to the Jews. He says, hey, the scripture had said, ye are gods, but you die like men. He was quoting an Old Testament scripture in the Psalms. He said, but you die like men. Why? Because you have no understanding. That means that the experience you are having in life is as a result of either not engaging the covenant or engaging the covenant. My prayer for everyone today is that throughout this year, you will engage the covenant. In your business, you will engage the covenant. In your relationship, you will engage the covenant. Hallelujah. It's not just enough to know that there is a covenant. What's really important is to know how to engage the covenant. How to involve it. How to bring covenants into what you do. We have a story in the scriptures of David and Goliath. Goliath stood and the Bible says he was defying the armies of Israel. That means he was talking down on them. Bring out somebody amongst you, you know, just one person, let's fight. Are you understanding me? He was so confident in what he could do. When David saw Goliath, the Bible tells us that David didn't stand there in his strength of his experiences. David had had his own share of experiences, alright? He had killed the lion, he had killed the bear, and all of that. But he knew that this particular battle, the only way that this battle can be won 
is by engaging the covenant. If you look carefully at the scriptures, the text somewhere in 1 Samuel 16, you'll find that Goliath cursed David in the name of his God. That means at the point that Goliath stood, he was already invoking the spirits that he believed in. Are you understanding me? So when David stood before Goliath, he understood that this was not an ordinary battle. This is not about um, a shield and spear. Are you understanding me? Because they gave David a shield. Saul gave him his shield. David couldn't even carry the shield up. He said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to use this shield. I, I don't even know how to use this shield. There's something I know how to use that is greater than a shield. And this year, you will use something greater than the things that ordinary men use. There's something I know to use that is greater than a shield. Then when he spoke up, when, when David spoke, we saw that David was confronting Goliath with a different mindset. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine. That statement is covenant. Are you understanding me? Whenever you talk circumcision to the Jew, you are talking covenant. So it means that David was saying that, how can a man that is not in covenant challenge me that is in covenant? Hallelujah. That means that by being in covenant, I'm superior. Are you listening to me? I have an advantage. Now, when you read scriptures, simple scriptures like 1 John 5, 4, where the Bible says that whatsoever is born of God, has overcome the world. It's talking about the advantage the covenant person has. Hallelujah. That the covenant person has an edge. Has an advantage over the one that is not in covenant. Lift your hand and say, I'm in covenant. Now, you can only say you are in covenant if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jesus and um, the salvation, salvation is what brings you into covenant. Well, before I go further, let me just define what covenant means. What is a covenant? Hallelujah. Because we, we might use the word covenant and we don't understand what a covenant is. And in the day that we live in, um, it's not used so much. You know, maybe you're even a career person. You don't always talk covenant. So you don't even know what's, what's a covenant, covenant. What, what does covenant mean? You know, to prove that people don't even know what covenant means. They even spell it wrong. You understand that? They say covenant. It's not covenant. There's no N in, in that. There's only, the N is in the other way. So it's covenant. Covenant. Amen. So it's a covenant. Not covenant. Are you understanding me? Covenant. All right. <laughs> Praise God. Now, so what's a covenant? All right. What's a covenant? Very important. What's a covenant? Now, um, I could define it from scripture. All right. But let me just walk on. Let's talk English here. A covenant. Um, I was uh, giving it some thought, and I thought of the easiest way to communicate this to you, and I decided to use A B C D. Amen. So, uh, there's an A word, B, C, D, alright, of what covenant is. Number one, a covenant is an agreement. Everybody say agreement. Say agreement. Very easy, a child can understand that. A covenant is an agreement, alright? That's A. B, a covenant is a bond. Everybody say a bond. Alright, something that's binding on two people. It's a bond. Number three, C, a covenant is a contract. Everybody say contract. Say contract. D, a covenant is a deal. Everybody say deal. Good. So, did you get that? Agreement. I say agreement. Bond. Contract. Deal. Now, I'm using words that you use all the time so you understand when we say covenant. But now, um, in the Bible, when the Bible talks about covenants, you know, English that we speak today um, is a mixture of many languages. Alright? Uh, they've blended Latin into it. They've blended French into it. You understand that? And so, over the years, English has evolved. But the, the word covenant comes from a Latin word that actually means a coming together. Covenant. It actually means a coming together. So, when we say we're in covenant with God, it means that we have come together. Amen. 
God and you are no more far away. You have all, you've come together. Are you understanding me? You've now formed a part. You and God have become one. You've come together. In the Hebrew, the word covenant was used as cut. It means that we have cut a deal. But blood is involved in that deal. Amen. So when we say we're in covenant with God, that we are God and us, there's a deal that has been cut. Amen. Are we together? So we are in covenant with God. How did we get into covenant with God? Very simple. Okay, because I want you to understand what the covenant is. Now, um, there's a scripture. Let me read it to you. Deuteronomy 7, 17, I believe. Um, God was speaking about covenants. And um, the scripture was talking about covenants and telling us God's attitude towards covenant. 7 verse 9. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9. Glory to God. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9. I just want to show you something. It talks about God being the one that keeps covenants. Hallelujah. Now what it means is that God has a responsibility. Glory to God. To ensure that covenants are upheld. And God doesn't break or alter the covenant that has come out from his lips. Are you listening to me? Now, um, if, if human beings want to go into a contract, they write an agreement, they write something, and then they sign. That means that it's binding on both of them because they have agreed. The idea of covenant didn't come from man. It came from God. Are you listening to me? You are not the one that went to meet God and said, Lord, I want to be in a covenant with you. God was the one that initiated the idea of what? Of covenant. Of having an agreement with humanity. Of having a bond with humanity. Of entering into a contract with man. Of having a deal with man. It was God's idea from the beginning. Amen. Look at this scripture now. It says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which what? Keepeth covenant. Say that part with me. Which what? Say the third time. And mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Are we together? So God keeps covenants. It is in his nature to keep covenants. Now, before I go further, I want to establish this. In the scriptures, we saw God enter into covenants with several people, with human beings. But you and I are in a different kind of covenant. Are, are you with me? Because you cannot know how to engage covenant if you don't even understand what covenant means. And I like explaining it this way. Um, in Bible days, how people entered covenant was that they, they had a very um, crude practice. They will slay an animal. You can find that in Genesis 15. You find that. They will slay an animal. That's how God and Abraham entered covenant. Hallelujah. They will slay an animal and divide it in half. And there will be blood spilled. Then they agree. You will do this and I will do that. Now, the Bible is telling us that God entered into a covenant with us. Glory to God. In actual fact, He entered into a covenant with Jesus and we were brought into the covenant. Are you listening to me? You know, there are two central covenants in the Bible. What we know as the old covenant, the mosaic covenant, and what we know as the new covenant. We are not in the mosaic covenant. You and I are not in the old covenant. We are what? Where are we? In the new covenant. Hallelujah. 
We are what? In the new covenant. And being in the new covenant, we need to know what the new covenant has to offer. Are we together? Because if we don't know what it has to offer, we will not know how to engage it, how to involve it in our day-to-day affairs. So before I start bombarding you with scriptures, I just want that to be clear. Alright? Because I intend to give you a left hook right up with scriptures. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. So before I start bombarding you with scriptures, I just want you to get this clear. So you understand what the covenant is. A covenant is an agreement. Say a covenant is an agreement. Say a covenant is a bond. Say a covenant is a contract. Say a covenant is a deal. So we compare to this way that God has an agreement. Hallelujah. With Jesus Christ on your behalf. For your sake. God has, has a bond. Hallelujah. God has a contract with mankind through Christ Jesus. God has a deal with mankind through Christ Jesus. Am I communicating? Alright. And there is no contract of God that was not signed in blood. Hallelujah. But this time, this contract was signed with God's own blood. Am I communicating? So the contract cannot be broken. The Bible calls it an everlasting covenant. Hallelujah. Let's look at Isaiah 54 verse 10. In Isaiah 54 verse 10, he was talking about this covenant that you and I are in. And in that scripture, he said, For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall what? The covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that had mercy on thee. That means that this covenant that is coming, at that time it had not come. Now we are in it. He called it a covenant of peace. Everybody say covenant of peace. He said it shall not be removed. Amen. That means that the, you can be more sure of the covenant than Mount Everest. Are you understanding me? You can be more sure of the covenant than Olumo Rock. Are you listening to me? You say, ah, look at this mountain. It's solid. No, the covenant is more solid than that rock. Am I communicating? So he's saying that my covenant of peace will not be removed. It won't be removed. That means God is not planning to change his mind about what he has contracted himself to. He is not planning to change his mind about the deal he has entered into. Am I communicating? Now, um, where we are getting to is how to engage the covenant through prayer. But I want you to first understand what the covenant is. Alright? So you appreciate it. And that you and I are in the new covenant. Permit me to just go to two or three more scriptures. Let's look at the book of Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 and 32. And then we'll just see in the Old Testament there, where God was talking about how he was going to bring a new covenant. Hallelujah. Okay? Okay. So he says there, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord. Tap your number and say, The days have already come. Amen. When he was talking, the days were still coming. But now the days are here. Hallelujah. The days come, saith the Lord, that I will make what? A new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And that day has come. Hallelujah. Now verse 32, explaining. He said, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. That means it will be different from the old covenant. Are we together? So the covenant you are in is different from the covenant Moses and the children of Israel were in. Am I communicating? He said, not according to the covenant which I made with their fathers. In the day that I took them by hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, said the Lord. That means that this covenant is a different covenant. Say, I'm in a different covenant. Say, I'm in a new covenant. In the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, so in Hebrews chapter 8, look at verse 6. You will see 
He is now talking about this new covenant. Alright? And in Hebrews 8.6, he's differentiating between the old and the new covenant. Now, he says, but now had he, Jesus had obtained a more excellent, he talked about there is Jesus, has obtained what? A more excellent ministry. So Jesus obtained the, 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 a more excellent ministry, alright? By how much also he is. Jesus is what? The mediator of what? A better covenant. He was the middleman, so to speak, that brought us. Now, I told you that covenant is a coming together. Hallelujah. So, we have come together with God. Jesus is the middleman that made it possible for us to have that coming together with God. Am I communicating? In the Old Testament, or the Old Covenant, Moses was the middleman between God and the people. In the New Covenant, Jesus Christ, hallelujah, is the mediator of these covenants. Now, I will stay here for a while. He says, this covenant, he called it what? A better covenant. Let me say better. Once you see the word better, it means that comparison has started. Am I communicating? If I say, oh, this is a better microphone, that means there's another microphone. Am I communicating? If I say, this is a better staff, that means there's another staff. I'm trying to compare between two. So, from the moment the Bible says that the covenant is a better covenant, it is comparing the covenant of Christ with the covenant of Moses. Am I communicating? Now, if the Bible tells you that the covenant of Christ is a better covenant, why do you want to go back to the covenant of Moses? Amen. Why do you want to go back to the covenant of Moses? Because you've understood that the covenant is a better, is a better covenant. In this scripture, we also see something. It says a better covenant which was established upon what? Better you didn't hear me well. Established upon what? Now, the covenant was established on promises. That means that in a covenant, there are promises. Amen. It cannot be said to be a covenant if there are, there's no offer. Am I communicating? So there are promises. Now, but the scripture is saying that the old covenant also had promises. This new covenant has promises. But the promises in the new are better than the one in the old. Amen. Glory to God. Now, when we say how to engage the covenant. We are saying that you are involving the promises of that covenant in your day-to-day affairs. Amen. Because the covenant, there were things that were promised in the covenant. God is saying, this and this and this is what I will do. Now understand something. In the covenant, it's like the Bible says, God swore by himself. Hallelujah. This is what I will do for you. Before you agreed, listen, before you even knew there was a covenant, God already swore in blood. That's what the death of Jesus Christ was. God swore in blood that I will do this for you. I will be your father. I will be your God. I will never forsake you. Amen. That's what, let me read, let me read, we see here, so let me show you what God swore. Let's read verse 7. You see what God swore concerning you. Amen. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. You know, some of you, you are anti-King James. So let me read it to you in New Living Translation. Amen. King James is the authentic voice of God. Are you understanding me? Alright, but let me read it to you in New Living Translation. Verse 6. Let's read down, verse 6 down to 13. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given, for a, given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a, a far better covenant with God based on better promises. Now, Watch carefully verse 7. Let's read together. I want to go. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. 
So that means the second covenant has come to replace it. Next, verse 8. Lest we want to go. But when God found fault with the people, He said, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. Verse 9. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant. So I turned my back on them, says the Lord. So he's explaining what happened in the last covenant. Now, follow it now. Verse 10. Want to go? But this is the new covenant. So God is swearing, swear, swearing now. Want to go? I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Verse 11. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. Verse 12. Let's read together. I want to go. And I will forgive. <laughs> Pause. Go back again. What is he forgiving? Whose wickedness? What is the name of the person's wickedness? Amen. Amen. Your wickedness. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Did you see that? This is God swearing. Let's read it again so you see that your wickedness has been forgiven. Want to go? And I will forgive their wickedness. And I will never again remember their sins. Amen. Last one, verse 13. When God speaks of a new covenant, He means He has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. Did you see that? So, so, so me, I'm in a new covenant. Say again, I'm in a new covenant. Now understand this. So before you even came, when Jesus was on the cross and dying, Jesus was swearing to the world. Amen. Are we together? This is what I'm going to do. And I've come out to commit myself. I've not read scripture that says God commended himself towards us that while we are yet sinners, he died for our sins. No greater love will a man show than to lay down his life for his friend. So Jesus, by being on the cross, was God swearing to us, I've come out on my own. What I said, I've done. Now, but a covenant cannot be effective if only one person swore. Amen. So, how did you now swear and agree to what God swore? By the prayer of salvation. Amen. That prayer of salvation is your own oath of allegiance to what Jesus had said he would do for you. Amen. Are we together? So when you say, oh God, you want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then you come and say, from today, Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart that you died for my sins. That you rose again. And from today, you are the Lord of my life. You are agreeing with what God swore concerning you. Am I communicating? So, see, the salvation prayer is not just a prayer. It's an oath. Of allegiance to Christ. Did you get that? So, when you understand that, covenant has started, that means you are now in covenant. That day, from that moment, you are in covenant. 
I'm in covenant with God. I'm in covenant with God. Do you know marriage is a covenant? How many of you know that? Marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. So when people are getting married, they bring them out in the presence of others and then they pledge allegiance to each other. From that day, they're in covenant. In the same way, we are in covenant with God through Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, I said something we read in Hebrews 8. That the covenant is established on better promises. That means there are promises. The first scripture we read in Ephesians 2, 11 to 13. Where the Bible says, you are no more aliens to the commonwealth of Israel. You are no more strangers to the covenants of promise. Meaning that this covenant has promises. Amen. Did you get that? Alright. Now, so how do I involve the covenants? The Bible is a book, is a covenant book. Hallelujah. It contains the promises of the covenants. In, those, in the covenant book, you also have the revelation behind those promises. Why is he giving those promises? So, when I look through, I see what belongs to me. Amen. When I sit in a service like this, I see what belongs to me by reason of the covenant. Let's give an instance. Look at Hebrews 4.16. I just want to show you something of what belongs to you. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Now, you could just jump to 16 and it won't really register. But let's read from 14 down to 16 so, so, so that it, it registers, okay? It talks about Jesus. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Who is that? Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. Next verse. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, let us therefore means because of this that was said in verse 14 and 15, let us therefore come what? Boldly. To where? To the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That means that the new covenant has given us the ability to come boldly. The old covenant did not give anybody the ability to come boldly. You didn't get it. In the old covenant, you cannot come boldly to the... Who are you? Your boldness will kill you. <laughs> are you understanding me? The attitude in the old covenant was that even Moses said, I exceedingly tremble. I exceedingly fear and tremble. He quakes. Amen. That means that when he saw God on Mount Sinai, amen, with fire, everybody was afraid. God said, look, even if an animal, your dog, mistakenly goes through us, it will die. But in the new covenant, you and I have been given access, amen. So we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Now, why is that so important? A God you can't see. A God you can't talk to likely cannot help you. So, what God has done is that that middle wall of partition between him and mankind has been pulled down. So now, through Christ Jesus, mankind has access to God 247. Amen. There is no particular time that God will hear you. You don't fix appointments with God. Are you understanding me? So are you on appointment? Because the angel said, wait, are you on appointment? Are you on, on, on appointment? 
He said, no. Actually, I just want to check whether say go back. No, 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 no. Go and book appointment. Amen. No, we don't book appointments. We can come anytime. Oh, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. I said, you don't book appointments with God. As you say, Father, He said, here I am. This is what the new covenant has done for you and I. We don't book appointments with God. You can just wake up from sleep and talk to Him. You know, I was sharing, um, I, I was listening to a message, um, New Testament prayers. We have a series on New Testament prayers that are done sometime back. So I was listening to it this morning. And um, I remember a statement that was made, you know, by Pastor TB in the message. Amen. And it was about how, let's suppose that God gave a rigid pattern for prayer. Okay? This is how to pray. Yeah, some people think that God says that when we want to pray, we should pray, Our Father, even if you have cancer, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, you will just die. Amen. And so they say, you just repeat that prayer. No, 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 that's not what the scripture says. And that's not what the scripture teaches. Because even the story, why I'm telling you this now, is that Jesus was with Peter. And Jesus was walking on water. And Peter saw Jesus walking on water. He said, if it is you that is walking on water, bid me to come. And Jesus said, come. And the Bible said, Peter walked on water towards Jesus. And then, all of a sudden, he got distracted by the wind and began to sink. Good. You see, as Peter was sinking, some of you have been in that state. Some of you might even be in that sinking state as I'm speaking now. As even as I'm preaching, you are sinking. Yes, sir. As I'm preaching now, you are still sinking. Amen. You are sinking. Because you are just thinking, hey, how will that problem be solved? How will I go about it? How will it happen? So Peter was sinking. That means that it was something happening in the now. It's not a problem that he needs to solve tomorrow. Listen. It's a problem that he needs to solve now. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Aha. Some of you are there now. You need to solve the problem now, now, now. Not tomorrow, not next month. It can't wait. So imagine Peter saying, Please, John, go to the house and bring my prayer book. The required prayer book that God said we should be praying from would have been announcing Peter's funeral that day. Imagine Peter also saying, okay, um, Lord, how did he say we should pray again now? Let's start. Our Father, which art in... By the time he will say which art in heaven, he's already drinking some cups. Am I communicating? Let me tell you something. The demonstration, what happened between Jesus and Peter... Gives you the kind of mindset God has about how he wants to answer your prayer. Peter did not say, follow any protocol. You know, some people feel that when they want to pray to God, they must follow a particular protocol. And so, yes, some people even say some things, you begin to wonder where they got it from. God of Melchizedek. God of. You understand that? Even when they're praying, the angels are wondering, who, who are they talking to? Who are they, who are they calling? Amen. Who are they calling? God of Ephraim. 
Let's look at what Peter said. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. I'm reading Matthew 14. Just go to what happened when he was drowning. And when, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. I'm reading Matthew 14, 29, now I'm in 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, as it happens, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he started quoting Psalm 100. And, is that what happened? And he began to say, crying. He cried saying what? Lord, save me. Amen. Another part where they talked about it, he said, Lord, help. Amen. Lord, save me. Everybody say, Lord, save me. Is a prayer. 31. Let's find out whether God said, What? What a short prayer? You cannot even put in Jesus' name in the prayer. You cannot even start with, Father, dear God, my Father, my God, I come in a humble state with a humble heart to cry unto thee. You didn't even talk like that. Verse 31. And. No, 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 read it well now. And is it later? Immediately. What was the prayer? Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand. Jesus did not say, your prayer is not complete. Complete the prayer. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand. And I'm saying to you, that he will immediately stretch forth his hand towards you. Lift your right hand and say, Lord, save me. If you are in any situation right now and it looks like you are drowning, I just want you to open your mouth and say, Lord, help! And he has heard your cry. And the mighty hand of the almighty God will stretch towards you to lift you from where you are and bring you to walk on water again until you get back to your own boots. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As I speak, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your career, whether it's in your finances, your business, the mighty hand of God is stretched towards you and catching you. You will not drown this week. You will not drown this month. You will not drown this year. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are not going down. You are being pulled up by the Spirit of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, be lifted in Jesus' name. This is the benefit of the new covenant. That God has given you access to come boldly to the throne of grace. That means that when you are coming, don't be timid. You are not coming in your strength. You are not coming in your performance. You are coming... See, this covenant has already been signed. Glory to God. Uh Glory to God. Let's assume that you have understood what covenant is. Amen. My concern this morning is how through prayer you can engage the covenant. Amen. And I've also mentioned to you what kind of covenant you are in. There's in the new covenant. You're in the new covenant. The covenant that's an everlasting covenant. I'm looking at how much time I have. Now listen. 
Um, if we don't finish, we'll continue next Sunday. Listen. One way, there are many ways to engage the covenant. Maybe I should just mention some of the ways we engage the covenant. Communion is one way we engage the covenant. Hallelujah. Alright? Praise and thanksgiving is one way we engage the covenant. Hallelujah. Are we together? Alright? Acts of faith is one way we engage the covenant. Which are then by leadings of the Spirit. Prayer is one way we engage the covenant. And I want to focus on prayer. And maybe through the month we'll be touching on other ways you can engage the covenant. Hallelujah. Confessions are one way we engage the covenant. Glory to God. Now, my focus this morning is supposed to be prayer and I've not been able to enter it. Amen. If there's an agreement between you and an individual. It's just like a man is passing on. Maybe he's about to die and then he writes his will. You know, this testament is God's will for us. I hope you know that. It's written already. Written. Signed. And the will has been uh, put to work. The Bible says... Um, uh, the will is not in force until the death of the testator. Hebrews 9.16. You know, so the death of the testator, Jesus Christ, has made sure that that will now is ready for use. That means the will is ready for use. Now, if a man writes a will and says that the house in Lagos belongs to my second child, the house in Dubai belongs to the first child, let's assume that. If the child doesn't wake up and go to Dubai or Lagos, can he take the house? Amen. Are we together? If he doesn't do anything about it, it will just remain in that document. Am I communicating? It will remain in that paper years and years and years and years because nobody enforced the will. Am I communicating? Now, what we're saying to you is that the covenant has already been written. It's ready for use. But a lot of believers don't know how to enforce it. Glory it's God. How to take what belongs to them in the will. So I'm saying that prayer is one way. We enforce the will. Glory to God. That that which God has written concerning us, we go and take possession. In the scriptures, we have an example in the book of Luke, 15th chapter, I believe, where we're talking about two sons and the father. We know the story as the story of the prodigal son. You know, we always tell the story of the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son is not the main actor in the story. The main actor is the loving father. Amen. Alright? The main person is the father. It's the kind of heart the father has. Alright? That made us, you see, the boy's misbehavior made us see the father's love. Amen. Rather than thinking that the father's love made us see the boy's, no. It's the boy's misbehavior that made us see the father's love. Now, the, what we saw in that is typical of how two believers that have the same father, and one is enjoying the father, and the other one is not. Amen. The second son had enough sense to make a demand and say, give me the portion of goods that belong to me. Amen. And the father did not say, look at this boy. How can you ask for your... Are you understanding me? It was not a wrong thing. 
if you read the text, the Bible says that when the second son asked, the father divided for the first and second. Amen. He didn't only give to the thank you. He didn't only give to the first, the second. He gave to the first and second. Meaning that the first would have asked since he didn't ask. Am I communicating? Then we find that he divided it. Now, in the same way, if you don't make a demand on what the covenant has said concerning you, it will remain there. Are you listening to me? If you don't make a demand and say, this is what by covenant belongs to me, it will remain there. And I want to say to you that everything that is contained in your covenant is for your use today. Amen. Are we together? It's for your use today. You need to have an aggression in your spirit towards what God has said concerning you. Listen, there will always be opposition. Just as wheels can be, con- you know, people contend wheels. Are you understanding me? They contend wheels. They say, no, no, no. There will be a resistance. But you stand your grounds knowing that it belongs to you. Amen. Are we together? Someone can be living his life below the expectation of God's will for him. But it's in prayer we make demands. And where I intended to go, I'll talk about it next Sunday, is to show you how Elijah understood that he needed to make demands in prayer. To show you how Daniel understood that he needed to make demands in prayer. You know, sometimes people think that some of those Bible characters, God was the one that came and told them, my son, my son, come and ask for this. No, 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 no. They found in scripture, amen, what belonged to them. Then they stood up and insisted for that thing to happen. Glory to God. And I believe that in this year, 2018, you will find in scripture what belongs to you and you will rise up and make a demand for it in Jesus' name. Am I communicating? Listen, if that doesn't happen, you have believers, the scripture talked about, is a man said, he said he saw a confusion under the sun. He saw something that was confusing to him. He said he saw princes walking on foot. And he saw servants riding horses. That's what's going to be happening. Are you understanding me? If you don't enforce your will in the place you walk, that's what will happen. You'll be walking on foot while the, the servants and those that are not in covenant will be on horses. And in this nation, Nigeria, if we don't take our place by covenant, you will see the headsmen. Amen. Are you listening to me? So it's by covenant. Amen. That you take your place and make a demand. Amen. And say, this is what is going to happen. The thing about covenant is that you'll be specific about what you want. The scriptures don't teach us about vague prayers. God, move. Do something somehow, somewhere, somehow. No, 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 no. In the covenant, we don't pray vague prayers. We are specific. Our demands are precise. This is what we want to see. Glory to God. Are we together? And we insist until we see it. Have you not read scripture where Jesus was talking about the insistence of a woman? Hallelujah. How she was insisting, insisting, until... What she was insisting for. The Bible used the word, it's an old English word, importunity. Ever say importunity? He said, look, if not for anything, for her importunity she will be heard. She had come and said, this is what I want. She had come and said, the man said, go away, I'm not going to give you. He said, no, no, I will not go. This is what I want. In prayer, we know our, we know God's will for us. We insist until we see it. It's not a negotiation. Amen. We are making demands. 
I was studying some years ago about all the Greek words that were used describing prayer in, in the scriptures. You know, prayer is used, prayer, supplication, intercession, giving of thanks. The Greek words that were used. And in studying, I found out that there is no one of those words in the New Testament that suggested a begging. And from that day, I decided that even if the King James translated it as supplication, I will not in my consciousness carry it as a supplication. I am not begging. Amen. It always portrayed the idea of someone that has something that he's making, he's calling it up. Amen. He's making a demand. Amen. He's not begging, oh God, oh God, do something. I gave an illustration one time. I said, if one day you woke up in your house, and you saw your child, your first son, maybe he's 14 or 15 years old, he's crawling on his feet and comes to knock on the door, oh daddy, oh daddy, just give me some bread, let me eat. Would you slap him? Are you understanding me? It means that maybe there's some temporary insanity that's gone into him. That's how some believers pray. Amen. When God has given you all things. Amen. All things. Listen, he placed you here to be in charge of how things will go. Oh, I love what Archbishop Ben Sedausa said many years ago. I believe it was in the 80s. Where they were having um, um, a, a, a group uh, called uh, Witchcraft Association. You know, Association of Witches or something, something like that. They were having a conference. And they decided that the conference was going to hold in the city of Benin. So they were interviewing the, the head of the organization, I don't know whether it was chairman of the organization, on television. And he was saying that the, the program was going to hold in Benin on so so date. And then the person interviewing said, what if um, something happens? And he says, even if God, he made a statement, the man said, even if God comes down from heaven, that conference will hold. When Archbishop heard it, he was insulted. He said, God does not need to come down from heaven. That's why I am in Benin. Amen. Are you understanding me? God does not need to come down from heaven for that thing not to hold. As I'm in Benin, I'm saying it will not hold. And it did not hold. Are you listening to me? Now, that's somebody that has understood his place. So, we're not begging for the covenant. No, 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 no. In the New Testament, we enforce the covenants. We come to a place. Listen, do you know what it means to win a soul? To win a soul is to enforce the covenant in another person's life. Amen. Are you listening to me? When you say the kingdom come, how the kingdom comes to someone's life is by receiving Christ Jesus. Amen. Am I communicating? So, anywhere we see that the, 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 the covenant is not enforced. <laughs> you know what a policeman is? A policeman is a law enforcement agents. Now imagine a police officer watching somebody stealing somebody's phone. Listen, oh, stealing somebody's phone and going. Then the police officer calls the office. Uh, command, command, I don't know how they communicate now. This is from so-so place. Um, I saw a suspect uh, stealing somebody's phone. Am I, should I arrest? You are, you are a silly policeman. You are on duty. You are calling to ask whether you should arrest someone that is stealing. It's not like a policeman saw someone is built, um, breaking a traffic law. Then you call back and say, should I arrest the person? They should remove you from the police. Because you don't know your job. Am I communicating? A law enforcement agent, he has been empowered by government. That anywhere he goes and he sees someone breaking the law, he should do something about it. Am I communicating? He, the best he can do is I can call for reinforcement, but he will do something about it. We are covenant enforcers. Amen. 
anywhere we see the covenant is not working, we do something about it. Glory to God. Am I communicating? We do something about it. We insist on the covenant working in that place. And it's in prayer that we enforce the covenant. Amen. Are we together? And there are many changes that will happen this year because of this understanding you are getting. In your family, you can enforce the covenant. Don't stop negotiating. Uh, yes, you know. No, no, no. You enforce the covenant. This is what will happen in this family. This is what will happen in this house. Glory to God. He said, well, you know, in our family, you know, uh, at least every year, one person must go. You know, it's, it's one of the things that always happen. You understand that? Last year, it was Uncle A. Uh, we're expecting between B and Z this year. One of them will go. You understand? No! You will say, not anymore. Amen. You will declare that affliction will not arise a second time. Amen. And you will say, no. You will apply the bloodline in your house and declare that it will pass over this place. No matter what you used to visit before, not anymore. When that death comes, it will see that the blood has been enforced here. Amen. That the covenant is speaking here. He said, ah, I came for death. He said, a death has already happened here in Christ Jesus. Amen. And because a death had happened in Christ Jesus, no other death is allowed here. Are you listening to me? Blood is speaking for us. Am I communicating? So in your business also, function that way. Don't do your business like someone that someone is just struggling. No, blood is speaking for you. Promotion does not come from the east, west, or knowing the manager. It comes from above. Amen. Promotion, let me put it better. Promotion will come from the covenant. Are you understanding me? Is there looking for promotion? You are going to, you are doing this, you are buying hampers. No, 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 no. Promotion will come from the covenant. Invest in the covenant. Promotion will come from the covenant. After you invest in the covenant, the covenant will instruct you on the acts of faith to take. Amen. Are you listening to me? Let the covenant not be the secondary thing you are, you are consulting. No, 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 no. When the Bible talks about the oracles of God, the covenant is the oracle. Whatever the covenant is saying is what is being said. We consult oracles because we want to know what it is saying and what it has seen. Amen. And this covenant has said and has seen concerning you that your, way, your year is a year of greatness. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? So, when, say, eh, say eh, they are going to consult their oracle, I open my Bible. My own oracle is the covenant. Amen. Are you listening to me? It has already said something. It has seen something. It has said something. And then, I begin to see what the covenant saw. I begin to say what the covenant said. And I enter and experience that. Glory to God. Alright? So it doesn't matter what's happening in my house. It doesn't matter what's happening in my family. I will consult the oracle. Amen. And I know what the oracle is saying. And the oracle has the final say. Amen. Glory to God. Do you know the Bible called it oracle? Yes, it's called the oracle. There are two scriptures in the New Testament that talk about the oracle. One is in Romans, the third chapter, where the Bible says that, look, these Jews, to them was committed the oracles of God. The other was in 1 Peter 5, where the Bible said that, look, look, look. He said, when a man speaks, let him speak as the oracle. As I'm speaking, I'm speaking as God's oracle. What God has said is what I'm declaring. What God has seen concerning you is what I'm declaring. Listen to me, when you go back home, the oracle has spoken. Amen. 
Thank God for Nigerian home video. They help you with oracle. Amen. So they say they are going to the oracle. When they come back, say the oracle has spoken. It's final. I'm announcing to you concerning 2018, the oracle has spoken. That your way is open, the oracle has spoken. That you will manifest greatness, the oracle has spoken. That all your steps are ordered, the oracle has spoken. That you will fulfill your days, the oracle has spoken. That money will enter your hand this year, the oracle has spoken. That you will walk in abundance, the oracle has spoken. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. The oracle has spoken. I will restore health unto thee. Amen. And I will heal thee of your wounds. That's the oracle speaking. Amen. The years that the canker worm, the palmer worm are eating, the Lord will restore. Receive restoration. Receive restoration. Receive restoration. All that was lost is now found in Christ Jesus. All that was lost is now found in Christ Jesus. You say, hey, I lost so much last year. Find so much this year. Receive so much this year. Let me restore back to you in the name of Jesus. Seven fold in the name of Jesus. Thus said the oracle, if the thief be found, he will restore sevenfold. Whatever was stolen from you in the years past, in the months past, I speak back in the name of Jesus. Restoration, restoration in the name of Jesus Christ. All the business losses, I call for restoration in your business losses. You lost an idea. I call for sevenfold restoration of ideas. You lost contacts and networks. I call for restoration in the networks and, and the contacts you, you lost. In the name of Jesus Christ. Shout restoration! Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Stand on your feet. Just begin to talk to God this morning. Talk to God this morning. Talk to God this morning. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faith2faithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Taking the message on.